Good morning, New Life. It's so good to be here. And um, the reality is, um, this is our the last Sunday of 2020. For some of you, you're, you're really rejoicing about that. It's been a real hard year. Um, and yet, we know that we're still not out of the woods with this. So um, today, we're actually finishing our Dwell series, God With Us. The reality and the truth that God is present no matter where we are, no matter what we're doing. And so I'm really excited about this message because uh, it will wrap up everything that we've been talking about. And now we're going to look today more towards the future. And I've titled this message, While We Wait. Um, There's a pastor was talking to his Sunday school kids in his church. And um, as he talked to them, he wanted to make sure that they understood what they had to do to get to heaven. And so he was testing them. So he asked them these questions. If I sold my house in my car, had a big garage sale, and gave all my money to the church, would that get me into heaven? No, the children all answered. If I cleaned the church every day, mowed the yard, and kept everything neat and tidy, would that get me into heaven? They answered, no. Well, then, if, it was, if I was kind to animals and gave candy to all the children and loved my wife, would that get me into heaven? Once more, they all answered, no. Well, he continued, thinking that they were a good bit more theologically sophisticated than he had given them credit for, he asked them, then how can I get into heaven? A five-year-old boy shouted out, you gotta de- you got to be dead. And the reality is many times the question that we all wrestle through as we have faced the reality of eternity so so close to us. Many of us have lost loved ones this year. We've faced difficult and hard situations. And the question is, how do I get to heaven? The disciples, back when Jesus was here on earth, when he came in human flesh. Last week we looked at how Jesus came in human flesh, fully God, fully man, to die on a cross. He walked with his disciples. He called them out to follow him. And as they followed him, they went through and they they literally saw, they touched this great I am. They, they talked with him. They ate with him. They, they, they slept in the same quarters with him. They did life together. And as they saw him, they interacted with the great I am, Jesus, the master. But they had doubts and questions. And so in John chapter 13, we see Jesus. Judas had just betrayed. Jesus had gone to betray Jesus. They had just celebrated the Passover. Um, And right before he was going to go to the cross, he would soon be arrested and basically crucified on a cross. For the payment of our sin. Obviously, we know and we talked last week that Jesus came with a mission. He came with a focus, a mission that he came to fulfill. And that was to die on a cross to pay for our sins so that we could be forgiven and brought into a relationship with God. All throughout this series, we've, we've really begun to understand that God has a heart for us. That he wants to dwell with us. And as we see in this series, uh, we this message itself, the disciples were about to be 
Uh, Jesus was about to be resurrected after he was crucified on the cross. Three days later, the Bible says he rose again from the grave. And then we see later on that he actually, um, days later, he ascended into heaven. And so as we pick up, we see in chapter uh, 13, verse 33, he starts speaking to them about this. He says, my children, I will be with you only a little longer. You will look for me, and just as I told the Jews, so I tell you now, where I am going, you cannot come. A new command I give you, love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. The big idea today is Jesus speaks directly into our troubled times by giving us a promise of his presence with us and our eternal future with him. Let me repeat that again. Jesus speaks directly into our troubled times by giving us a promise of his presence with us in our eternal future with him. Jesus is telling his disciples, listen, I, I'm going away, and when I, where I go, you cannot come with me. You cannot follow with me. You've been following me for three and a half years since I started this ministry, and, and, and yet I am leaving, and you cannot come with me. And so uh, I want to talk to you today about key things to remember as we wait for Jesus to be united with Jesus again. Obviously, right now, we are here on earth. He's in present in heaven. But Jesus has some clear words to encourage us, to give us life, to encourage us in the waiting of until that time comes that we are united with him. Verse 36, we see Simon Peter asked him right away. Simon Peter was impulsive. He spoke out what he was, was thinking through. Um, and so we see in verse 36, Simon Peter asked him, Lord, where are you going? Jesus replied, where I'm going, you cannot follow now, but you will follow later. So he's saying, listen, you can't follow me right now where I'm going, but you can come later. So you are coming there, but it's not the right time. You still have to wait. And verse 37 says, Peter asked, Lord, why can't I follow you now? I will lay down my life for you. Peter was impulsive. He was committed. He saw himself as a loyal follower of Jesus. And, and so he tells him, listen, I'm willing to die for you, Jesus. But look what Jesus says. Then Jesus answered, will you really lay down your life for me? Very truly, I tell you, before the rooster crows, you will disown me three times. As we know, that, that's a pretty interesting passage, isn't it? Because the reality is Jesus knew what was about to happen. That Peter would even deny him that he knew him three times. Even before the rooster, the rooster crowed, uh, he would do that. Three times he would deny him, one right after the other. So the first thing that we need to remember is that while we wait to be united with Jesus, our focus needs to be loving each other. Our focus needs to be loving each other. Very clearly we see Jesus right in that same verses that we just read. He says, listen... A new command I give you. This is the command I want you to focus on. This is what I want you to focus while you wait till that time that we're united together, that you love one another. I don't know about you, but loving people is one of the hardest things sometimes to do. Now, some people are easier to love. Some people are harder to love. But the reality is when we go through life, 
We have to be committed to loving one another. Jesus said, listen, it, the way that people will know that you are my disciple, that you are a follower of mine, is that you love one another. Jesus laid a clear example on how to do that. I don't know about you, but if you were to evaluate your life right now, how do you love people? Do you love people because they first love you? Do you love people when you think that you can get something from them? Do you love people in your life simply because of Jesus commanding us to love? I, I, when I think about the word love, I think about commitment. It's not about feeling. It's about a commitment. My prayer is that as we wait till the return of Jesus or until he takes us home, that we would love one another deeply, like the word of God tells us. The apostle Peter says, love one another deeply. Love one another deeply. Not just superficial love, not just once a week, but a love that is deep, that is profound, a love that is committed to one another, that we would be committed to help each other grow spiritually, that we'd be committed to each other in such a way that when we see a need, that we would help in and step in and provide that need as we are able to. Why? Because other people will see the love that we have for each other. Not only for each other, but I think our love not only just is inward to the body of Christ, but I think the love of God is able to break down walls. And so I challenge us as a body, as we go into 2021, that we would be a people that as we wait for our Lord Jesus to return or that we are united with him, that we would focus on loving each other deeply. Another key thing to remember as we wait to be united with Jesus is while we wait to be united with Jesus, we must not let our hearts be troubled by our physical separation from him. I don't know about you, but I long to be with Jesus. This year itself, this COVID year as we call it, has been a tough year. But it's what it's done in my life, it's helped me to focus my life and say, man, this is what really matters. What really matters is Jesus. And I, not to let our hearts be troubled in the waiting. The disciples in verse, Jesus speaks words in chapter 14. He starts with, do not let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. My father's house has many rooms. If that were not so, would I have not told you that I'm going there to prepare a place for you? And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. You know the way to the place where I'm going. He says, listen, you know the place to where I'm going. I've been telling you all along as you've been following me, as I've ministered to people, as I've poured into your life, that the, I have a plan and a purpose that I would return. This would be temporary, my time here on earth. God, Emmanuel, with us, would be temporary in a sense that he physically would be here. God Almighty present with us physically. And so he returns, but he's saying, listen, don't be troubled. Don't be discouraged. Don't be troubled in the fact that I, I am leaving. Um, obviously, he says, listen, I can confidently think that you, you know where you're going, right? You know where I'm going, so don't worry. The time will come where I will be reunited. And I, I believe Jesus had been speaking to the disciples about this. It wasn't something new. It wasn't a new truth. It wasn't something that had, had just, he was speaking right now. 
But God had been speaking to them about He had been preparing them for this, that he would be leaving. And I don't know about you notice in this, this verse that we just read. He says, I go and prepare a place for you. Do you realize God has been preparing a place for every one of us? God loves us so much that he's preparing a place. I don't know about you, and back when I was a youth pastor and I had to get involved in the music that the, the youth were a part of, uh, there was a band that wrote a song and they talked about a big, big house with lots and lots of room. And it talked about this is our father's house, that our father's house ha- is a big, big place with lots and lots of room. God has been there Jesus himself has been there, and he says, listen, I've been preparing a place, and I'm going there to prepare a place for you. So don't worry. We will be reunited again, but in the waiting, don't get discouraged. Don't be doubting. Don't be, don't be giving up. Don't lose hope for the reality of what's ahead. I think one of the greatest things we need to do is fix our eyes, like the scriptures tell us, on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. I want to challenge this as a congregation this 2021. Let's be filled with hope. God is a God where we find true hope in. In our relationship with him, that he is present with us. And we'll see in a a few short verses in a minute why I can say with confidence that we're not alone. That God is present with us in a powerful way today as he was back then. The third thing that we've need to be aware of, to remember as we wait to be united with Jesus, because there's a waiting time that we're in right now, is that while we wait to be united with Jesus, we can be assured that he has revealed the only way to know him. You might be listening today to this message, and you're kind of wondering, how can I get to heaven? I don't know the way. Even Thomas, one of his disciples, responds and questions him. Look at verse 5. He says, Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going. So how can we know the way? <laughs> he had kind of lost it. He, I mean, when Jesus had spoken to him, maybe previously, it went over his head. It went in one ear and out the other. He didn't comprehend what Jesus was saying. And notice Jesus' answer gives us really clarity on us knowing the way to the Father, us knowing the way to go to that place that we will be united with God for eternity. Notice what Jesus said and how he answered Thomas. Now, one thing we can remember about Thomas, he was the doubting disciple. He doubted. He doubted. Jesus, when Jesus rose again in a few verses down after this moment, we see that he had this natural bent on doubt. I don't know if you remember when Jesus had risen from the dead and the other disciples, hey, I don't know if you heard, Thomas, but Jesus has risen. He's alive. And says he said these words, says, I will not believe it until I put my fingers in the wounds. But Jesus answered him this way. In verse 6 of chapter 14, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Now, this is a very, very powerful statement Jesus was given. 
This powerful statement reveals the way that you and I can come into a relationship with God and be able to be at peace with God because of our sin has separated us from God, but can also give us insight on the fact that it's not about a religion. It's not about a fact about knowing different things, but it's actually about knowing the way to the Father. And Jesus said this, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father but through me. Previously in John, we see that the Gospel of John, Jesus had told his disciples, and he had given himself different titles. He says, I am the door. If you want to enter in, you must come. And what he's saying is, I, I'm, every person must enter through him. He is the door. He is the entrance to our faith. He is the beginning of our faith. He is the initiator of our faith. He is the author of our faith. He is the one that begins and pursues us. Even in our darkest times, he pursues us. He says, I am the good shepherd. He shepherds our life. There are titles he gives himself. Uh, and he talks about entering the narrow gate. Let me tell you something. There is a narrow gate today. That narrow gate is called Jesus. Many people have no problem talking about God. And many people have a hard, a, a, a easy time uh, just having conversation about God. But when you confront people with the reality that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life, that's where it becomes a narrow gate. And if you are going to enter into eternal dwelling with God, because that's God's desire, it must be through the person of Jesus Christ. My question is this. Are you only looking to Jesus today to be able to be right with God? Are you only looking to Jesus today to be uh, able to say with all out a shadow of a doubt in your heart that you will one day dwell in his presence? I pray that you today would realize and, and look at that. If you've seen the, me, you've seen the Father. That's what he told Thomas. If you see Jesus, you see the Father because God the Father, the person, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we're, we're looking at the Trinity today. The triune God, one God in, in, in a triune uh, uh, revelation. And we see that he is the way, the truth, and the life. Do you know without a shadow of a doubt that if you died today, you would go to heaven? My prayer is that you would be like, that like able to answer with a clarity in your heart that he is the way. So while we wait, be assured that he has revealed the only way to know him. Fourthly, another idea or really thing that we need to remember as we wait to be united with Jesus is that while we wait to be united with Jesus, we must focus on carrying on his work in this world. Notice it says in verse 8 of chapter 14, another disciple pipes in. They're having a conversation. So another a disciple pipes in. He says, he says this, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, 
Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the, as, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I'm in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me and does the works I have been doing, uh, and they will do even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father, and I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. It becomes clear that the fourth thing is, while we wait to be united with Jesus, we must focus on carrying on his work in this world. Jesus said, listen, I'm leaving, I'm going back to the Father, but I, it's really interesting to me as I study this passage, it says in verse 10, don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father's in me? He's saying, listen, I am in the Father and the Father's in me, so we're one. And he says, listen, um, you are going to do greater things. I've done a great work. You, you should be convinced on the miracles themselves that I've performed. He says this, but the reality says, listen, you are going to do even greater works. So the thing is, the truth and the reality is that as we wait till the time that we dwell eternally with God, because we're trusting in Jesus Christ that he is the only way, we must, I say we must, look to ways that we can serve him in such a powerful way that the works of God be being expressed through our lives. It's really powerful to say that Jesus said, listen, I've done some great works that are evidence that I and the Father are one. But you are going to do even greater works. In fact, if you ask me, I will do even greater works through your life. Listen, this is a time. We don't know how much time we have as here on earth. We don't know how much time the waiting is. The hourglass has been turned over until his second return or until the day that he calls us home. And the sand is falling to its temporary. The sand is filtering down. And there's more now weight of the sand at the bottom of the hourglass. But what are we doing today as a church? Are we believing God as we go into this fast? Starting on the 10th of January, my prayer is that God would take this body and ignite us with a fire. That God would take this body, his people, as we wait for him, and we would believe God to use us to do miraculous things, supernatural things in and through us, so that at the end of the day, we could give glory to him and his words that were spoken years ago while he was here among us physically, his presence physically among us, incarnate Jesus, as he spoke those words, those words can still be fulfilled today through people like you and I who are simple people, people that don't have it all together, but believe God for big and mighty and powerful things, where we see people's lives transformed through the gospel message of Jesus where we see alcoholics set free, uh, dry, drug addicts set free in the name of Jesus. 
where we see people healed physically of their ailments, where we see people close to death and God healing them. Are we bold enough to ask what God wants to do in and through us? Let's take this time to boldly ask God for great things among us, not for our fame, but for the glory of his name. Lastly, the last thing that we need to remember as we wait to be united with Jesus is that while we wait to be united with Jesus, we can know that he has not left us as orphans, but has given us his spirit. Look at verse 15 of chapter 14. He says, if you love me, keep my commands. And I will ask the Father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he lives with you and will be in you. I want to pause right there. Notice the words he's telling and he's talking to his disciples. He says, listen, uh, the, 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 the advocate, the, the, the spirit of truth will be with you. So God is saying, listen, I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm leaving, but I'm not leaving you as orphans. I'm going to do that. And notice what he says there in verse 18. For he lives with you and will be in you. That's, I want you to take that. Because then I want you to understand something. Up until that time, until Jesus had ascended into heaven, all the people, all the disciples, all the followers of Jesus, they didn't have the spirit indwelling inside of them. So when Jesus ascended into heaven, the Bible says at the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 1 and 2, we see that the church was birthed, that the Holy Spirit came like a flame of fires and set over every single person's head that were there praying in the upper room as they prayed together. The Holy Spirit came with fire. And what happened? The Holy Spirit came, I believe, and basically came inside of them, indwelt them. And, and, and so we, as, as we look at this passage, uh, in verse 18 it says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me because I live, you also will live. On that day you will realize that I am in my Father and you are, are in me and I am in you. Notice that. I am in you. When you and I come to know Jesus and we, we repent of our sins, we are accepted, we accept forgiveness at the cross of Jesus, not in our own merits or works, but we look to him. The Bible says that we're born again of his spirit, that his spirit comes into this temple of clay and, and these temples of clay, the people, God's people, that he's calling out of darkness into his wonderful light and he empowers us and, he, and he's deposited in our in our bodies, in our lives, as, as it says, and so he begins to live and dwell with us. Listen, in our waiting, I want you to know that you're not alone. You're never alone. When you go to the grocery store, you have the Holy Spirit with you. When you come to church, you have the Holy Spirit with you. When you're at your home, you're, the Holy Spirit is with you. When you actually go to work, or maybe you stay at home and work. The Holy Spirit never departs you. He's with you. And so think about the powerful truth of that. That no matter where, we're inseparable from God Almighty in his presence. 
We become living, walking, breathing temples of the Holy Spirit where he dwells. I don't know about you, but that's comforting to me. It's also kind of scary because think about it. You get in a fight with somebody, the Holy Spirit's right there. That's why you feel grieved. You feel conviction of the Holy Spirit when, when you do something. Now, we can quench the Spirit. We can, we can grieve the Spirit of God. But uh, my prayer is that we would learn how to walk in step with the Spirit of God. And notice that he says, whoever has my commands and keeps them, verse 21, is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love them and show myself to them. Jesus is saying, listen, your focus as we wait is to obey me, to obey my commands, to follow along with me. The Apostle Paul in 2 Corinthians 5, 1 through 10 says this, For we know that if the earthly tent we live in is destroyed, we have a building from God, an eternal house in heaven, not built by human hands. Meanwhile, we groan, longing to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling. Because when we are clothed, we will not be found naked. For while we are in this tent, we groan in our burden because we do not wish to be unclothed, but to be clothed instead with our heavenly dwelling, so that what is mortal may be swallowed up by life. Now the one who has fashioned us for this very purpose is God, who has given us the Spirit as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ and you've been born again of the Spirit, you, you have been, the Holy Spirit's been deposited in our life, in your life, as a deposit guaranteeing what is to come. We have heavenly dwellings that we're looking forward to. Our bodies are wasting away. These tents of clay are wasting away. But we're being renewed day by day. Uh, God is working on us. Uh, but we are groaning inside to be liberated. But today, as I close this message, I want to give you a little glimpse of the future. And just a, it, it, the Apostle John also is known to have penned Revelation, which is the last book in the Bible, in chapter 21, at the very last chapter of Revelation, verse 1 through 4, we see a little glimpse of what this is all about. And this is the vision that he saw. He says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and there was no longer any sea. I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Look, God's dwelling place is now among the people, and he will dwell with them. They will be his people, and God himself will be with them and be their God. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Did you catch some of the power of that? I want you to take that passage and review it at a different time. But look what he's saying. The, the earth and the heaven that we know today, heaven and earth will pass away as we know it. And there'll be a new heaven and a new earth. And notice what it says here, that God himself, will dwell there with us. What a comforting thought. 
Think about it. You look out the window of your mansion in heaven. And you say, whoa, there goes Jesus. And you realize, wow, what a powerful thing. And all that we've seen and all that we've put our hopes on in this world, it's going to pass away. Don't put your hope on these things that are passing. Put your hope in the living God. And his desire from the very beginning was to dwell with his people. We saw it in the Garden of Eden. We see it. We saw it in the tabernacle where God instructed Moses to build a tabernacle where his presence could dwell because he wants to dwell with his people. Then we see Jesus coming to this earth, fully God, fully man, God with us, Emmanuel. And as we celebrated Christmas this past week, we saw that reality and that truth, and we're reminded of that. But there's a time coming where this earth that we know will pass away and we'll be standing before his presence, fully known by God and fully known. And notice some of the characteristics in verse 4. It says, he will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or mourning or crying or pain for the old order of things has passed away. Some of you have so much hurt in your life, so much pain, so much brokenness. And you wonder, God, I don't know how much more I can handle. Listen, have you come to know Jesus fully understood that he is the way, the truth, and the life? You cannot come to God in any other way. You cannot be good enough to be accepted by him. You have to accept the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. See, Christmas, as we celebrated last week, will never make sense unless you have an Easter And Easter will never make sense unless you understand the Christmas story. Because through those both in the understanding and the revelation of God through his word, we can know that there's great hope today, even though we're living in troubled times. Like Jesus said, do not let your heart be troubled. Trust also in me. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And that promise holds true to every single follower of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the great I am. As we close our time together, some of you need to take that step of accepting his forgiveness at the cross of Jesus. You've never accepted and received that gift of eternal life. I challenge you today that you would simply pray a prayer, a simple prayer, And it doesn't have to be certain, but it's you crying out to God and saying, God, I need you in my life. Won't you come into my life and make me a new creation? And he will meet you where you're at. Some of us have this idea that we have to change our life to better our life before we come to him. But God is saying, no, come to me as you are, and I will change you. I will transform you. I will meet you where you are, and I will shepherd your life. I will lead you, and I will make you into the person that I've called you to be. Are you willing to come to him? Are you willing to lay down your will and say, God, I want to obey your commands? It's impossible apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to invite the worship team to come up in a minute, but as we close our time, Right now, I'm going to pray, and then we're going to close with the worship song. But I want to challenge you, as we go into this next year, make a determination. God, I want to learn how to live in your presence.
as we work out and live out that truth here on earth. Let's pray. Father, I just pray as we close this time together in this song of worship, I pray that you would meet us where we're at. I pray for those that maybe are crying out to you right now for the first time, accepting forgiveness for the first time of their sins that have separated them from you. I pray for those of us who are believers who have accepted that gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. I pray that you would teach us how to walk in your presence, how to dwell in your presence, God. And I pray that we would be rocked by the truths that you uh, desire to dwell with us. God with us, Emmanuel. I pray that as we live and as we walk this week and as we look to the future, let us never forget that you will never leave us or forsake us, but you'll walk with us, Lord. So I pray as we close this time in worship, I pray that you would meet with us, get our hearts prepared uh, for what's ahead, Lord. We pray as we leave 2020 behind, in Jesus' name, amen.